Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey, it's Anne, and you're listening to the Soul Grit Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far, and it was actually one of the most challenging to record. When we recorded this in November, my internet went out at both my house and my office, so Drew, our new guest for today, had to be really patient with me, but I'm so glad he was because, like I said, this is one of the favorite interviews that I've done so far. Drew is actually an author. He wrote a book called Faithful, and he wants to be able to give a couple of copies to you, the listeners of this podcast. What we're going to have you do for this one, if you sign up to receive the newsletter at soulgritresources.com during this time period, you will be automatically entered to win a copy of this book signed by Drew and He's going to ship it to you himself, and we just want to thank you so much, Drew, for doing that for us, and we hope that your message gets out there for people just to grow in their discipleship to Jesus Christ, as well as the message of hope for mental health that we have here on the Soul Grit Podcast. So with that being said, stay tuned to the end of the episode, and I'll give you a little reminder of how you enter that giveaway. But for now, here's the conversation that I had with Drew Frozy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here with my friend Drew Frozy, who is a pastor in Virginia, and he's here to talk about some experiences he's had in the last few years with mental health and also a new book uh, that's just come out recently. So welcome, Drew. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to see you after a number of years being apart and reconnecting in this way. Yeah. So Drew and I were on staff at a church in San Jose when we both lived there. Yeah. And have both, I think you were the junior high pastor at the time. Okay. Yeah. And I was admin of a bunch of different things and office <laughs> manager for a while and all of that. So uh, we were in our young twenties, I believe. Yeah. And then we, uh, just having our first babies in that yeah. process too. So your oldest is 11. Uh, she's, t- yeah, she's turning 13 next 13. week. Okay, yeah. So Can you believe first. that? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Then, then you had, you've had four babies and I've had three babies and yeah. I haven't gotten to meet any of your younger ones. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that, uh, when we worked together, it was not that long ago, but so long ago. We still feel like we're young, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're just now not so much in our young twenties. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, have you hit 40 yet? No, I'm almost there. Uh, okay, a couple I mean. more years. Amy, Amy, so Amy and McKenna have the same birthday on November 11th. Oh, okay. McKenna, my oldest, is turning 13, and Amy's turning 40 in uh, a week. So it's a big celebration. That is a big celebration. Well, I got a couple more months before I turn 40. So Amy and I are right there, neck and neck. Okay. (laughs) Well, I wanted to invite you to come talk on the podcast because you are a pastor. Now you lead, you're a senior pastor, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Okay. At a church in Virginia. And you had posted something on your social media where all we got to see was a prescription bottle and your name and me being a therapist, I knew what your prescription was, but yes. then of course you um, shared a little bit about your experience with mental health and how after years and years of struggling and not even knowing that you were struggling yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yep. that you decided to get the help that you needed. And I was like, Oh, Drew, I need to have you on here. Even though we haven't talked in 10 years, I need to uh, have you talk from a pastoral perspective, mm. what it was like, Drew, <laughs> when did you start to know that you were having some mental health issues? Yeah. Uh, for me, really, I didn't fully know how how much mental health or that they necessarily were mental health issues until I started the medication. Hmm. And, uh, I had, I had had a history. What got me to that place was, um, I had been, uh, we moved from California to Virginia, uh, three years prior. And I knew that God had called us there. Like there was no doubt in my mind, this is, this is where we're supposed to be. But, uh, me and my wife and all my family and friends, everybody, uh, we left everybody. Um, and uh, there was this uh, probably three years, but now I can see even went back this this real uh, struggle and, and these times of real low dips um, of just being just being sad uh, quite often, being very frustrated. And um, the summer prior to when I started talking with a counselor, I had had a terrible month of August and my wife and I said it was, it's the worst month of, of our marriage wow. and just really frustrated stuff. We were arguing a lot and, um, I was blaming her for, uh, most of our issues and, um, never, never, uh, in the brink of divorce, but just not like just frustrated. And I had a friend that was going through some cancer stuff and anyways, but that lasted about a month, a month and a half. And then kind of, I got out of the fog and, and operated. Well, then. Uh, 2020 happened, yeah. and uh, as a happened pastor, to me too. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. yeah, wasn't that fantastic? Sure. That was great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but but uh, as a pastor, just getting, uh, we should do this. This is what we shouldn't do. Okay, we're capitulating to the government. Oh, you know, do you love Jesus? Like, uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, with the social and racial unrest and, and just everybody's thought and, and the burden of that and what we should do that, uh, April, May of 2020 was a really, really tough time. And, uh, so a couple months of that, that, that my wife said to me, Hey, and we had had this conversation the prior August, uh, what do you think about counseling? And mm. I was like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm open to it. <laughs> it's uh, fine. Yes. I know everybody benefits. I mean, I counsel people and I tell yeah. them everybody should get counseling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then kind of pushing it off and it not getting better. And so uh, ended up meeting with a counselor and uh, having uh, an evaluation. And he thought, Hey, I think, I think if you got some tools, you're going to be, you're, you'll be good to go. I think it's just, maybe you're doing some midlife uh, stuff going on in there, maybe because of 2020. But if I give you some tools, I think, I think that'll be good. And so we met on a regular basis. And, uh, I mean, I did everything he asked and he, he, he had told me, um, and I don't mean to, uh, gloat here, but he said, Drew, you're the ideal patient. Like everything I tell you, you did your homework. I did it. I mean, I was like, okay, this is gonna, here we go. Like, I know there's something wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's all these external things. So if I just do it, mm-hmm. 
like that's going to fix it. Okay. And so then that, that led to uh, the next part of it not being fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at some point your counselor was like, Hey, we're doing everything we can do and it's not getting as much better as we think it should be getting. Yeah. So really um, I think it was, se- I have it in my calendar, but I think it was September 16th, okay. uh, 2020 was my, was my break uh, day. And, uh, I was talking about this to somebody, uh, actually just a couple nights ago and, uh, it had to be the perfect day to where there was no reason for my attitude at all. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I had, I had been on a, uh, on a, uh, retreat of solitude, just me and God, <laughs> like we, we had two days of just praying and spending time with God. You and should I come got back fixed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I came back on a Friday night and I was like, okay, I have plans for what I feel like God has put on my heart for the church. I've got, I've spent time in silence. I've been, you know, focused on God. And, um, I wake up Saturday morning, which is a day off. Uh, nothing has happened. It's Saturday morning. And I walk downstairs, I get a bowl of cereal and I start eating my cereal and, uh, and my wife and I have an interaction and, uh, she just looks at me and she goes, Drew, what is wrong with you? I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's no reason. And, and just like, what is it's Saturday morning. You've just spent time with God, like all this stuff, like what is wrong with you? And uh, when she said it, of course I was angry at her. Uh, Cause how dare she, <laughs> um, but I didn't say anything. I just angrily ate, ate my cereal. And, uh, and I went back upstairs and, uh, the truth of that question sunk deeper and deeper in my heart and my mind. And, uh, I crawled into bed back into bed at like nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, maybe it was 10. I don't even know. And, uh, I cried myself back to sleep mm. I, because I, the question she asked was one, after I got over my own anger at her <laughs> questioning that it was, no, you're right. What is wrong with There's me? something wrong here? Yeah. And so, um, I shared that with my counselor and, uh, and this was after a number of months of meeting with him. And he said, sure, you know, um, how do you, how do you feel about meds? Because you should, things like that shouldn't have that effect. And again, you're doing everything that I've asked you to do, but, um, but it's not improving the way I would hope. Um, and he's a Christian counselor. So we prayed together after every session and, um, yeah. And so to kind of go back to your first question, when did I, I realize it was a mental issue? It was, it was there a little bit, but honestly, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe this is when I, when I started taking meds and by God's grace, the first one worked by God's grace, the first one worked. Mm-hmm. But when I, and this was, my counselor said, this is abnormal, <laughs> <laughs> but the first day I'm not even kidding you the first day I took meds. I was driving home from work and, uh, and I had a profound experience and it was, it was simply this, Mm. I was driving home and I thought, Oh my gosh, um, I'm okay. It was, that was just that it was, (laughs) it was, I'm okay. There was, there was no like, Oh, today's such a great day. Wow. It was just like, there's, there's something missing. Like Mm -hmm. there's a cloudiness and I, I call it either a dark cloud or a clawing. Mm. That I I didn't know what it was because I'd carried it so long mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, it's not there. I'm going home and 
I just don't feel that darkness. Again, it's not like I was, I was feeling, yeah, it was just like, something's missing that has been weighing me down. I'm, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I think that was the, oh, this is way, this is way different than I thought it was. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I kind of want to know what did Amy think when she started meds? Uh, when I started meds? Yeah. Did she yeah. see the difference? Oh yeah. I mean, we still have conversations about the difference. So, so when I talk about, uh, the tough part in 2019 uh, and 2020, mm-hmm. uh, what I found out was those were the times of depression, mm-hmm. but that my standard operating procedure or, or ethos, if you will, was yeah. anxiety. anxiety. So what was crazy about the meds and, and realizing that like, okay, this is so much bigger is I realized I, I was hoping the meds would get me out of the dark funk but they also revealed that my normal wasn't normal. Yeah. And for, a, for as long as I can remember, my normal wasn't normal. And my counselor said, Hey, I think now that, now that you're seeing how it's changed you or how it's helped you out, I should say, um, he said, I think you might've been struggling or might be struggling with some OCD, um, some long-term anxiety and the depression is just your, your body protecting itself because mm-hmm. it can't take on so much. Yeah. Um, so down now and then. (laughs) Yeah. So with, with Amy and I, we've talked multiple times with like, Hey, remember when, I mean, it's affected, I would say every area of my life. Mm -hmm. Remember when you used to do this, remember when that made you frustrated, remember when, and look how you're handling it now. And I am handling it like uh, (laughs) I'm handling it like a normal person where (laughs) most of those things during that time, um, that were brought up, I, I would, I would be defensive and frustrated with her. And, mm-hmm. and I've had to go back and say, Oh, Oh yeah. No, that, that was me. That yeah. was me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we, we just, again, we, we praise God uh, for, for meds. And, um, and I, I shared this with the church. There's a song called praise before my breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the core or the title says, says it all. I'm going to praise before yeah. my breakthrough. And uh, I remember singing it in the season of, of darkness and being like, God, like, what is going on? Come on. Like, I, I love my family. I love my life. It's a great life. You're, you've called me into ministry. I'm doing what you've asked me to do. Like, why, why is this going on? Like, would you, would you relieve it? Please, please, yeah. please. And sing this song. Okay, God, I'm going to commit to praising you even through this. Well, a few months after we, uh, I started meds. Uh, we sang that again at church and, uh, I sang it retrospectively, mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a tone of, uh, and a perspective of almost going back in time yep. and saying, wow, God, like I can praise you on the other side of this. But what I realize is as frustrated as I was with him, because I'm like, come on, solve this, come on, solve this, mm-hmm. that it had to be as bad as it was for as long as it was for me to get the actual help that I needed. Because if it would have lasted one or two months, I would have like, like it did in August, 2019, I would have worked myself out of it and I would have got back to normal, but what was normal? Normal wasn't good. Exactly. (laughs) And so, so that praise before my breakthrough is a realization for me. Like there are times where that breakthrough we really want, uh, there's a very tangible and it still hurts. I'm not, I'm not discrediting the pain, Mm -hmm. uh, 
is a journey that God brought me on in order for me not to solve my problems, but yeah. in order for me to get the help that I really needed. Yeah. That's amazing. When you started taking meds, like I said, you outed yourself on social media recently within the last couple of months, but before that, did your congregation know what was happening with you? No, uh, my elders knew that I was struggling with stuff and, uh, and getting counseling and my elders are great. They actually, uh, put some money aside from the church budget for all staff to get counseling. So we awesome. didn't have to worry about that. They, they were just so great. So they knew that I was starting counseling, but, uh, when my counselor, uh, recommended me uh, getting prescribed Lexapro, I said to him, I said, you know, I've told a lot of people in me counseling them, like you should never feel like ashamed or, uh, anything about meds. If that's what, mm -hmm. if that's what somebody's recommending to you, yeah. Like, I want to cheer you on. Well, the odd thing is, as a taker, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, no. Like, I can't. I mean, I was even worried about, like, what do I tell people? That I have mental health issues? Like, mm -hmm. what? I've got mental issues? Is that? Like, I just didn't even know. And my counselor said a very, very freeing th thing. He said, Drew, you never have to tell anybody. He's like, this is your story. Yep. And you, you can just tell them, hey. I've got some help. People know you're in counseling and my counselors really helped me. You, you can say that. And that's, I, you know, I could do that. That's easy. And for the first uh, couple months, that's what I told people. I said, man, uh, counseling and, and the, the resource, this is what I would say. The resources the counselor has given me have really uh -huh. been helpful. Yeah. Um, and then God put me or people in my life to where they started sharing stories with me about mm -hmm. things that they were struggling with. And that's when the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you, you need to share this. And yeah. so I shared it with one person and they reacted thankful and oh. they said it was really, really helpful. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. And I shared it with another person and they said, oh my gosh, I really needed to hear that. And I shared another person. Oh my gosh. I had people crying. Like we had a, we had a dinner group here and this uh, one young lady wasn't going to, and this is just a group of friends getting together and, and she wasn't gonna, she wasn't gonna come, but she made it. And we're like, we were checking in cause it'd been a while since COVID. And I felt like I was like, Hey, you need to talk about this. So I go, Oh, well, here's how, here's how my year has gone. Hmm. She just starts weeping. Hmm. And she's like, I wasn't going to come tonight, but to hear your story and the things that you were experiencing and struggling with, I, I need to hear that. I've been so desperate and so lost. And a few days later, she was talking to a counselor and, and getting help. So uh, it ended up being a few, a uh, few more months of that. Yeah. And I said, man, if, if the help that this, my story gives other people to the glory of God, to know where I was mm -hmm. and where, where medication counseling has helped me, like, I can't be quiet about this. So then I actually uh, taught a sermon series and one was on mental health. And I shared, shared a lot of the story with the church. And uh, I've been pastoring for 15 years mm -hmm. and never has a sermon been so acutely received where mm -hmm. people come back and go, wow, yep. that has changed my life right there. Mm. You know what, Drew, I had the same type of experience as a therapist. I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of people go into therapy because they have their own mental health stuff or their own relationship stuff, you know? Yeah. And I did, 
uh, even as a teenager, senior in high school, start taking meds and have on and off mostly on for my adult life. And when I shared on my blog, this was before I started the podcast, but when I shared on my blog, I shared a, a photo of me at 17 and shared my experience taking meds. I have not, I've never gotten so much response as when people needed to know that people who look like they have it together spiritually or professionally or whatever also need therapy and medication. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and that was part of the frustration, right? Is, uh, I looked at my life and I was like, why, why yeah. do I need this? Yeah. And then when you uh, kind of, as I've learned more about what it is and what it does and, 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 uh, how the medications interact, it's, I guess the way I would put it. And I heard this from another pastor is I don't, I don't need medication to be happy. Mm-hmm. I need it, uh, to, to get normal. Yeah. And although that sounds like, oh, like I'm, I'm abnormal. What it did is, is it helped me interact with the medication of, of saying like, now I can process things properly. Mm-hmm. And so this even changed my verbiage. When I first started taking the pill, I, I thought to myself, oh, I got to take my happy pill. Like that's the, that's what I had in my mind in the mornings. I was like, okay, got to make sure I take my happy pill, take my happy pill. And then I, I heard uh, more about what it does and, and uh, learning about the drug. And I'm like, oh, no, that's, that is not it at all. That is, that is a lie. I got to take my normal pill. This helps, (laughs) this helps my brain function properly because I still get stressed. My wife and I still have tensions at times. Uh, I still get times of anxiety. Um, but all those things are being, I I can process those Mm -hmm. normally. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, that helped is like, this pill doesn't, doesn't be like, Oh man, I'm just, uh, Oh, I need happiness. That's not what it does. It allows me to interact with the world normally, uh, or properly. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I always compare psych meds to like diabetics and insulin, you know, like you wouldn't tell a diabetic that they couldn't take their insulin because they need to just trust God. Right. And like, yeah, there are certain things you need to do diet and exercise and taking care of your body and all that stuff, which is true for depression and anxiety as well. Yes. But, um, when you give a diabetic an insulin shot, you're not saying, okay, now you have superhuman powers. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's right on somebody like you or me that has depression or anxiety. Like our medication is not making us, okay, I'm just gonna be happy all the time. It's yes. making us so that we function more on a normal wavelength, like the rest of the population. Yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I still and have highs and lows. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, just this last week, I, I didn't feel good. And then some other stuff were going on and, and, you know, I needed to apologize to my wife because I was <laughs> handling stuff in, in a way that was full of anxiety, but even that, I can tell the difference before it was, I was in it. I couldn't see it. And I was like, the problem is everybody else. But now I'm like, Oh, I can, I can notice something in in my, uh, in my soul. I can notice something and, and then handle it in a way that's more proper. Yeah. That's great. Did you get any backlash once you started sharing? Did anybody in your congregation say, no, I can't be under a pastor who takes meds? Uh, if they, if they said it or believed it, they went, they went away quietly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know about that. And, uh, again, I had, I had the support of the leadership team. I, I had told my elders, uh, a few weeks prior, Hey, this is where, 
actually probably a couple months prior this this i'm taking meds and this is where i'm processing things and their support was one in which i i didn't i didn't teach concerned about those who say mm-hmm. hey uh, that's improper. But I did teach in a way that said, how, how then do we handle this intersection of the physical and uh, the spiritual? Because as you know, there's some Christians out there that say, no, let's just pray it away. You need more faith. And, and yet still, to be fair, there's, there's probably other Christians out there, or there are that, that too quickly enter into medication mm-hmm. um, and just like, Oh, let's just, let's just go with it. Uh, whatever is said. And so trying to, help people understand like we are we are both physical and spiritual beings mm-hmm. we are both spiritual and physical beings and uh let's not neglect either side yeah yeah i think within maybe the last 15 years or so that's something that the church has started to engage with more let's just say that that there was a long period of church history where like spiritual and physical worlds never the two shall meet you know yeah. like yeah. your body is sinful that's the flesh so what counts is the spirit and and we know like that's heresy from back when paul's writing letters right yes. like, yeah like that but even just in the like 20th century american christianity that was still a thing. And so I feel like we're doing a better job than we were with acknowledging, like we need to exercise our bodies. We need to rest. We need to eat healthy food. We really need to do something about the donuts on Sunday mornings. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, depending on which denomination you're in. (laughs) Yes, you're right. You're right. Veggie trays would probably be more appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that, but, um, I, I think it's been a challenge. Like you said, even though you would counsel people, like take your meds, if you need meds, of course, if that's been prescribed to you, yes, that's what you should do. There's no, it doesn't make you sinful. It's not immoral. It's like, you're not going against God's will. If that's going to be the, yeah. Okay. So we get that. I too had that same response where, well, I take 25 milligrams of Zoloft and that's the lowest dose. Okay. <laughs> and, and there was a point in time last year when I needed to bump up to 50 and I was going hmm, back and forth. And one of my friends, who's also a counselor was like, and why, why are you putting this obstacle in front of yourself? Wow. Like if yeah. you need it, you need it. Yeah. And I went, okay. And I talked to my doctor and he's great. And he's like, yep, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. <laughs> But now you got to admit it. Yeah. And I, I do. I take yeah. 50 now. <laughs> there you go. Way to go. Yes. And yeah. it has, it has just um, brought the level up enough so that my functioning is more uh, doable. Just, it just makes yep. interactions yep. and getting yourself out of bed in the morning and all of those things just more yeah. doable. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too, as somebody who, who now takes meds to hear a lot of the concern or, or people kind of navigating the question of like, well, how long, like, how long are you going to be on it? And, uh, as if, uh, if you take in perpetuity, like there, there's something wrong with that. And, and I tell people all the time, I take an allergy med every day. If Mm. not, I'm snot nosed and itchy eyed. I I do. So I think about this in the same way, not that I'm committed to it. Mm -hmm. There might be a time where, where I come off, but I'm not rushing to say, okay, I've taken it this long. Okay. Uh, now, now, now I got to get yeah. off of it because if, if it's a lifetime thing, uh, again, 
glory to God that I can interact with the world in a way that um, is more proper and um, that he's provided doctors with the know-how to see that my brain lacks serotonin reuptake uh, (laughs) things like, Oh, what? Okay. That's, there's something wrong. And now um, if I need it for the rest of my life, great. If I don't great. Uh, Yeah. But I would I say am. that is one of the most common things I hear as well. And I don't want to be on meds for the rest of my life. Yes. Like, okay, well, are you going to eat food the rest of your life? Like, yeah. <laughs> are you going to sleep the rest of Like it's, it's one of those foundational things that your brain needs. Uh, okay. So let's get to a place where, yes, I'm not necessarily committed to using meds for the rest of my life, but if I need to, I will. Yes. So a lot of times I tell people like what you experienced, you entered counseling and you were doing all the things you did all the things he told you to do. But at some point you realize like, I'm just like, my brain's not doing what I need it to do, even though I'm trying to do everything right. And sometimes I'll tell people that meds may be a short term thing in the case that you enter counseling and your brain is so scrambled that you can't do the things that your therapist is asking you to do. So for example, one of the best things we know for depression is exercise and being outside. Well, if you're so depressed that you can't sleep all night so that you sleep all day and you never go for a walk outside, you can't take advantage of that natural strategy for beating your depression. So the medication makes it so that you can do the things that you need to do to get better, whether that's, you know, talking with your spouse or getting your exercise or going through your cognitive behavior therapy or whatever it is, you can't. You just can't do those things when your brain is so fried with depression and anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what my counselor said. Cause I, I was a little worried about that first too. I was like, so like, is this like a couple week thing? Do we go a couple months? <laughs> and I had started it uh, October 6th and um, he said, I, at minimum, I would wait until middle of summer to even start the discussion because you're going to go through your winter funk. And so (laughs) he's like at minimum. And, uh, you know, I got to the middle of, uh, summer and I'm just in a place now where I'm like, okay, I, I'm doing well and I'm not looking to, to change that by (laughs) testing the waters away from meds. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I mean, you're, you're, a, have a male body. I have a female body. So when I was going through pregnancy and all that, uh, there was some, some concern that, you know, I might want to use a lower dose or see if I could go off. But I did have a doctor, my very first doctor, when I had my oldest, she said, it's much more dangerous for you to be a depressed mom than for you to be a medicated wow. mom. And so I took that to heart. I started a lower dose. I think I was on a hundred at that time. So I went down to 50 at that time. And then I stayed on 50 through all three of my pregnancies. And later after that, I was able to go down to 25. And then recently I bumped up to 50. So it's not like, like you're going to have some changes throughout your life, even if you decide to be on meds and it might be that this med works for a while for you. And then you need to switch to a different time or you need to change your dosage. You just kind of have to be open to like what's going on 
like health wise, like having a family, that's a different thing. Like hormones, you know, all these different things start happening and you just have to be open to kind of adjusting it and working with your doctor. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point of adjusting, I, I find it interesting. I, I don't think that the awareness of needing more or less would be there without the initial <laughs> medication, right? Like for me, I wouldn't, I, there are times where I'm like, oh, I might, I might need a little bit more because I'm, I'm actually feeling that where before I was just like, what is this? I don't, I don't know. It's always there. And so now that my brain is normalized, I, I am more attuned to yeah. being able to say, what, what does my body need? Where, where am I at mentally? And I can sense that more than just, there's this cloud over me and mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Okay, what is really going on? And self, self-evaluate a lot better. Yeah, that's true. That's another thing I say to clients all the time that once you've had your first episode <laughs> and you get the help that you need, like the therapy, the medication and stuff, yes, there may be another episode in the future. Like this, this is how it happens. You know, like you don't get cured for life. Most people don't, but once you have the first episode and you've put all those things in place, you have another episode. It's never like the first time when you didn't know what was going on and you just thought your brain was crazy and that yeah. your marriage was done and that, you know, you're never going to do your job again. Like you don't have that kind of perspective again, because you know what you need to do and you know, what works and you take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, uh, for those listening, I, I hear a lot of people who are hesitant about meds. And I think, again, that's not discrediting prayer. That's mm-hmm. not discrediting, you know, confession, seek what's in your life. But there are things in my life where, again, I've been praying for years about that. I'm like, why isn't there any relief or why is there minimal relief? So one of the things I struggle with is, is pride and being a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. And even before with a, with a young adult group and middle school group, it was all about the size of the group. And as much as I said, no, it's not. I was like, no, it's not. It's about doing God's will. It's not about numbers. It's not about growth. Like there was always like in my heart, like this longing to be a better speaker than a bigger group, than a larger church then. And I'm like, no. And there was always this huge fight between my head and my heart, huge fight of like, I know it's doing what God wants. It's not about those numbers. And I'd pray against that all the time. God, please, please. I don't want this. I want to be about doing what you've called me to do, not evaluating myself based on growth come on, like, God, like, I agree with my head and my heart would just, but I want that. I want that. And then with meds, not that I'm cured of that, (laughs) but uh, my heart is connected to my head now Mm. where I can much, uh, much more readily correct myself and say, whoa, 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 careful heart. Like, that's not where you want to go. And my heart will settle. My, Mm. My draw to that number will be silenced by what I believe, where before what I believed, what I was thinking would be overcome by my heart that would say, no, I want that. I want growth. That's how you're an important person. That's mm-hmm. how you're an important pastor. And so, uh, again, not just, not just these depressive episodes, but it's allowed me to interact with that connection between my head and my heart. And there's, there's communication between the two now mm-hmm. that, um, again, I still, I still, there's still my prideful self that wants that those numbers for importance, but my head can say, Drew, that's not important. And I can go, Oh, 
You're right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I, I'm for you and what you want. Shut up, heart. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting, Drew. I, I mean, you know, I've talked to hundreds of people. I don't think I've ever had somebody share that experience with me that medication helped their heart and their head connect like that. Yeah. The, wow. Like the spiritual and yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that bit. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I want to ask you too, you have your new book that's just come out yeah. and is this your first book? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So you were, was it kind of your COVID project or were you working on it before that? Uh, I was, I've been working on it for a number of years, actually <laughs> about three and a half years. Uh, okay. When I became the lead pastor, uh, I was like, where, where is the disconnect I see in the church? And with the responsibility of leading the church, and this is both the Big C Church, but specifically mine as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how am I answering that as a pastor? So it came out of that. Okay. Well, tell us about it. What's the title? What's it about? Yeah, it's called Faithful, two words, double L at the end of full. And uh, it's a practical guide to fully living out uh, your walk with Christ. And uh, one of the things that I've seen in you know, junior high ministry, high school ministry, young adult ministry, and, and leading a whole church congregation is, uh, there is a lot of resources that as a pastor, I read and I I consume and, you know, I disseminate the information and get it out in small chunks that are pretty forgettable, (laughs) you know, on a weekend (laughs) service, but there's a seminary, all these resources that I have that I'm trying to get into the hands of people but that really uh, for a weekend service or even in, in a life group or a community group, uh, it's not well transferred. Yeah. And so I, I was taking a look at how do I create a resource that comprehensively, as, as best I can within you know, limited pages, give people everything that they need um, to say, this is how I can interact with God in a fuller way than just Bible reading and prayer, mm-hmm. um, which, which are both foundational and good. In fact, yeah. the whole first half of the book or first third of the book is about how to read the Bible properly. Okay. But it, but it goes through, um, and it, again, I know some people are going to hear that and be like, you don't, are you saying you need Drew's book in order to, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, you, you just need the Holy spirit. That's it. And God's word that, I mean, that's it. But, but what more can we resource people with to navigate their relationship with Jesus? And so it goes through again, how to read the Bible, uh, from context to uh, theological words of eisegesis and exegesis, Mm -hmm. um, from, so just as you sit down with God's word, you know, it's overwhelming. Well, how, how do I know? that that's saying something to me or to those people, or how do I engage with that on a personal level? And then it goes into the spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of you listening are like, ah, reading, like, it's the worst and I can't, and we're not discrediting that, but saying, well, what does it look like with the way that God's built you to really connect with him through Uh worship, through confession, through service, like that there's, there's many ways to engage with God in a deep way. Mm -hmm. And then the last half of the book is all about how to mentor and disciple somebody else. Um, And so taking everything that, that you've learned and then saying, okay, this is how you sit with somebody and ask questions and help them uh, move toward a deeper relationship with God. And it's written in such a way where the book itself can be the resource you use to do that. That's awesome. I love it. 
I think uh, um, that your heart behind that is so good that there's so many people just like you and I have like seminary background, all of that, but people that don't, or maybe came to faith later in life or, you know, that it's just like, where do you start with all this stuff? It's so overwhelming. And so I love that you're offering just like the guidebook. And of course, not comprehensive. There's so many resources, like you said, but just like a, a good starting place. Yeah. The reality is on each one of those topics, there's going to be a lot better writers who are lots, I mean, everything (laughs) it's just going to be, but, uh, what you could read in 10 books, you get at a sixth grade writing level (laughs) (laughs) uh, that is really easily palatable and, and, uh, hopefully, uh, helps you engage more. Cause we also know that after high school, most people don't read a book. So I wrote a book. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's funny. Okay. Well, Drew, I'm going to add some links and all of that so people can find that in the show notes and I'll get a copy for myself. And yes. <laughs> um, can you tell us what are you doing for soul care now? Yeah. I was thinking about this. This question is the one uh, you've given me ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I'm not doing much different than before, uh-huh. except it's completely different. Okay. Tell us about that. So, uh, we give our staff, uh, one work day a month, uh, where we have a prayer day. Okay. And so I, I take a prayer day, uh, once a month and that's, you can use that however you want to engage in, in prayer and, and interaction with God. Uh, sometimes I go bike riding and, you know, listen to the Bible on my headphones and then spend time in prayer. Sometimes I'm uh, out in the backyard sitting. So, that hasn't changed, but what it does is now I'm able to interact in, in a way where I'm not like, okay, like what's going on? And, and okay, I got to pray, Drew. Okay, it's prayer time. You got to pray. It's prayer time. It's prayer day. It's like, no, you, I can just enjoy my time with God, and it's, it's a lot richer. In fact, I had one yesterday, and I spent uh, time on my back porch. I just put worship music uh, in my headphones, and I was just... I was just sitting there and enjoying the presence of God and enjoying like worshiping him in a way where before it would be very, very frustrating and very much like I need to do stuff. Um, so that's one way I, I meet with a group of pastors on a monthly basis as well, uh, where we can share the, the Fox whole stories and uh, the tensions and, and what we're struggling with and It's just a great group of guys. And then I have a few close friends that we meet probably monthly as well, where we're uh, able to just be like, here's what I'm struggling with. Let's pray together. Let's challenge each other. And so a little bit in groups, a little bit alone, a little bit one-on-one. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that you have that too. I think that I've known a lot of pastors that are very isolated, Yeah. um, either because they don't feel like they can share fully with people from their congregation or they haven't taken uh, the time to network with other pastors in the area, or even, you know, it's, we all do zoom now, like it doesn't have to be in the area, but, but to know that you have, that gives me a lot of hope for, you know, the future of your ministry and and what you're doing there at your church and through your book and everything. Yeah. Yeah. There, and all those, all those, guys have, have walked uh, with me through all this and have just been so great. And so I, yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to all them. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Drew. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective. And I think a lot of listeners are really going to be blessed by this too. Well, I'm praying for it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, all glory goes to God. 
Wasn't that such a great interview? I just loved that conversation with Drew. I hope you did too. And so I just wanted to pop on here at the end to remind you that we are doing a giveaway. If you liked what Drew had to say and you're also looking to walk more closely with Jesus or even to disciple another friend to know who Jesus is, then this book, Faithful, is going to be a really great resource for you. So here's what you do. Go over to soulgritresources.com scroll to the bottom and you'll see a place where you can enter your name and email for you to be a part of my mailing list. This is an opportunity that you'll have just to hear from me once a week or so, where you'll get to be the first to find out about new podcast episodes, blogs, and other resources, and just be my friend. So I hope you go and sign up and we will be announcing the winner on February 22nd live on Instagram. So make sure you're following Soul Grit Resources over there as well. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.